NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Megan Kelly show. Sometimes there are interviews that are so shocking, even we can't believe it. And one happened on CNN yesterday. Unbelievable stuff. Christian Amanpour has apparently been hired by the Palestinians to make sure that every piece of, quote, journalism she puts out has their spin on it. That's presumably how she got the interview with the Queen of Jordan, Queen Rania, who I have met before. They celebrate her over here in America because she's incredibly beautiful and we want to believe that she's pro-Western and this is somebody we can work with on policies. She and her husband, it's a no. <laughs> okay, she's been long admired by so many people here who don't apparently tune in for her real thoughts on things like dead Israelis. She's known for her beauty, her Western fashion sense, and she is absolutely gorgeous on the outside. Um, on the inside, she showed a different story. She unloaded in this in this interview, revealing what she really thinks about Israel, Gaza, and those of us outside the Middle East through her friends in the West in there just for good measure. It started with a fairly simple question from Amanpour, who asked her as an Arab, as a Palestinian, as a human being, a mother how she's feeling ever since October 7th. Now, even the Palestinians' ardent, most ardent supporters have learned that they need to spend, you know, like three lines on how they feel terrible about what happened to the Israelis. Um, that would be a good place to start, the innocent lives lost in Israel, and then maybe you pivot to the innocent lives lost in Gaza. That's not exactly what happened just can't believe the images that we're seeing every single day coming out of Gaza. We are just shocked and disappointed by the world's reaction to this catastrophe that is unfolding. When October 7th happened, the world immediately and unequivocally uh, stood by Israel. But when we, what we're seeing the last couple of weeks, we have, we're seeing silence in the world. And you know, are we being told that it is wrong to kill a, a family, an entire family at gunpoint, but it's okay to shell them to death. I mean, there is a glaring double standard here, and it is just shocking to the Arab world. So the silence is deafening, and to many in our region, it makes the Western world complicit, you know, um, through their support and through the cover that they give Israel, that it is just, it's right to defend itself. Many in the Arab world are looking at the Western world as not just tolerating this, but as aiding and abetting it. 
And this is just uh, horrendous and, and it's deeply, deeply disappointing to all of us. Hmm. Even Christiane Amanpour tried to rein her in, offering her a do-over with a similar question, but the queen continued to double down, suggesting we should not believe our lying eyes until finally Amanpour even had to interrupt her. Watch. Why is the narrative always skewed towards the, uh, to the Israeli side? You know, uh, the, the Western media and policymakers are quick to adopt the Israeli narrative. When, uh, when Israel attacks, Palestinians die. But when Israelis die, they are called, called, murdered in, in, in cold blood. It's a massacre. When the president of the United States is, is told that, he, you know, he has evidence, he has seen evidence of children beheaded only to retract because the IDF said that there's no proof of that. That is confirmation bias. Even at your network, Christian, you know, the, the CNN website uh, at the beginning of the conflict uh, reported a headline of uh, Israeli children found butchered in an Israeli kibbutz. And when you read through the story, that it's not, it hasn't been independently verified. Queen so, Rania, you know, I, I just need to stop you right there because there, there have been pictures shown by the Israelis and, and our journalists have been down there. I'm not talking about beheadings. I'm talking about babies' bodies riddled with, with bullets and things. Unbelievable. She was actually trying to spin the lie, the queen, that children weren't killed. Really? So just to recap, according to the Queen of Jordan, Israel's the bad guy, okay? Apparently, she missed the Hamas interrogations and confessions of their brutality, which we are going to get to in a moment. Perhaps she also missed the clip from a terrorist who gleefully called mom and dad to brag about all the innocent Jewish blood on his hands. Take a listen. Open my WhatsApp now and you'll see all those killed. Look how many I killed with my own hands. Your son killed Jews. Dad, I'm talking to you from a Jewish woman's phone. I killed her and I killed her husband. I killed 10 with my own hands. Mom, your son is a hero. My God, obviously we dubbed that over with the translation. Joining me now to discuss it all, Dr. Gad Sad. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Professor of Marketing at Concordia University up north at our evil top hat, Canada, as Michael Knowles called it, and host of The Sad Truth. Gad's Jewish and grew up in Lebanon, and we've talked before, Gad, about what that was like and the persecution that you suffered and your parents suffered. I've been following your Twitter account very closely these past couple of weeks and truly horrifying. There's a lot to go over, but can I just get your reaction up top to the reaction from the Queen of Jordan as if Jordan has some clean history when it comes to dealing with the Palestinians? Yeah, well, thank you for having me back on, Megan. Great to be with you. And you've been doing a great job the past two weeks. So thank you for your support to the Jewish people. Uh, look, it, of course, it doesn't surprise me because what uh, the Queen is doing there is... Uh, Mid-East Logic 101, right? Uh, I recently coined the term amnesia of causality. So I received tons of emails from people saying, why is it that the Jews are mercilessly attacking the, the Gazans? Why are they doing this? Oh, I don't know. Could it be because of October 7th? So there's literally an amnesia of causality 
when it comes to being able to ascribe any relationship of cause and effect. Newton's laws simply cease to exist. That's Mideast logic. It's impenetrable. And that's why I tweeted the tweet that I did a few days ago that went viral, where I'm feeling very, very pessimistic about the state of the world. I, I definitely want to talk to you about that. I'll give you one example of a reaction to the queen. Ariel Davidson, she's been very good on all these issues, tweeted out, then open Jordan's borders, Queen Rania, let Palestinian refugees in and let Israel destroy Hamas, right? She won't. Jordan won't open up the borders. Um, and she, that was conveniently sort of glossed over by her. She offered some one line excuse about why her husband won't do it. Um, she said, well, his refusal was really about the Palestinians not being forced to move again and they don't want another mass displacement. OK, those who are civilians and don't want to be on the receiving end of Israel's response, they would love to move again. I'm sure a lot of them would love to move right into Jordan, but she and her husband won't let it. Um, then uh, Ariel continues punchline. She won't. Uh, in other words, sh she's not going to order uh, open the borders. Her husband won't. Palestinian civilians appear more valuable to the Arab world as human shields and agitators than they are as human beings. It's grotesque. But now you can see it. I mean, she's exactly right. They, they are useful. I don't want to say idiots. They're useful. Pawns. Yeah, yeah, pawns. Exactly. Pawns for the greater Arab game, which is to make Jews the devil at all costs. And if child, Palestinian children need to die, these the rest of the Arab world seems just fine with that. And indeed, look, uh, this whole conflict has very little to do with actual land disputes. And let me contextualize why I'm saying this by a few personal stories. I may or may not have discussed with you those stories in the past. When I was five years old, living in Lebanon, Gamal Abdel Nasser, who was the pan-Arabist Egyptian president of Egypt at the time, passed away. And at, at his death, there were huge demonstrations and protests like we're seeing today all over the West, where they were lamenting and mourning his, his, uh, his passing in Beirut, outside of my home. And the screams that were being that you could hear were death to Jews. Now we weren't Israelis; we were Lebanese. We had nothing to do with the death of an Egyptian president. Why was the reflex to say death to Jews? And my mother said, "Don't show your head, coward." I was a five-year-old boy. When I was about eight years old, the teacher said to the students in my class, "Get up and say what you want to be when you grow up." So one person gets up and says, "I want to be a soccer player. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a policeman." A friend of mine who played soccer with me all the time, with whom I've grown up, got up and said, when I grow up, I want to be a Jew killer to everyone's rapturous laughter and clapping. Now, what you saw with that clip with the guy saying, dad, dad, I killed those 10 Jews. That was the kid that was my friend in 1974, 73. So it is an endemic genocidal existential Jew hatred. Now, is it that every single Muslim hates Jews? Of course not. Most Muslims are lovely and nice, but is there something in the doctrine of the faith that says that you must hate the Jew? Nothing could be clearer, Megan. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're part of Hamas. I mean, it's truly written right there in the Hamas charter, and yet we still get this never-ending, you're going to bargain, you need to talk with them, you need to come up with this two-state two solution. Okay, good luck talking to those people. We all know that's not going to happen. I mean, one of these guys, and again, the queen apparently missed this. One of these guys, apparently, um, when uh, when he was interrogated by the Israelis, talked in great detail about what it was he did. 
And it's amazing how this just gets glossed over by people like the Queen of Jordan, uh, who's obviously agenda driven. But we're trying to work with Jordan. It's unbelievable. We're trying to work with Jordan and Egypt and Turkey. OK, yeah. Um, in any event, here's how he described what he did on October 7th. It's thought seven. The orders regarding civilians was killing the men, capturing the women, the elderly and the children. Cleanse the houses and kidnap as many as possible. In Gaza, whoever brings the kidnapped or captures gets a stipend, an apartment and $10,000. They took out a young girl, about 15 or 16. The young girl stood and they took a selfie with her. Some of them said to shoot her. Others said, don't shoot her, kidnap her. I shot an old woman. We set a house on fire, two houses on fire. There was a body on the floor near the door of the house with two to three bullets in the head. The head was exploded. There were bullets in the chest at the top. I shot her in the back. People in the safe room closed the door. They said to people inside, open and get out. They were scared and didn't want to get out. Somebody set a piece of fabric on fire and said, we'll choke them with smoke. The battalion commander says, kill, stomp on their heads, chop off their legs. Hamas became ISIS. ISIS burns, beheads, and butchers. Hamas became ISIS. It's things a person doesn't do. Beheading people, having sex with dead bodies, meaning the body of a dead young woman. And things like that happened? Yes. Meanwhile, Gad, what we got from Queen Rania was, uh, we condemn the killing of any civilian, Palestinian or Israeli. That's Jordan's ethical and moral position. And it's also the position of Islam. Islam condemns the killing of civilians. And then again, goes back to how wrong Israel is here. I mean, Islam may condemn the killing of innocent civilians, but the Muslim Brotherhood didn't get the memo. The Islamists didn't get the memo. And Hamas definitely did not get the memo. Well, we can debate, by the way, whether in the doctrines of Islam it condemns it. That's for another discussion. But I'm surprised that yeah. the queen didn't say that all of the Hamas uh, guys were actually Mossad agents and it was all a Zionist plot because that's usually the response that I get whenever I share evidence. And that's why that's and I know we're going to talk about it later, but that's one of the reasons why. I felt very pessimistic a few days ago when I put out the tweet because, you know, part of being a human being is to at least being committed to some sense of shared meaning, right? That, that most people will enter any particular issue with some kind of intellectual honesty, right? But there is no amount of evidence that I can offer some interlocutors whereby they say, yeah, okay, I concede, right? So here are some of the, the, the responses I've gotten on social media. October 7th never happened. It's an entire Zionist Jew plot. Okay, it did happen, but it wasn't much. Okay, it did happen fully, but it's a perfectly justifiable retaliation for 75 years of mystery. So at no point is there any conceding of the fact that this was a horrifying act, period. And then we could talk about geopolitical issues. Now, let me compare that to how I responded when I saw a 1,500 young Muslim men being led to the shores of the Euphrates River by ISIS and being put summarily bullets in their head. I was angry. I was enraged. My calculus was one that transcends my religious heritage. It's, it, I was angry that 1,500 young men were being killed. I didn't link it to any geopolitical issues. It ended there. 
if only the queen had that kind of courtesy towards the Jews. It's so true, Gad. I mean, I see these videos on Twitter, on X, regularly now of these young Palestinian children suffering in the wake of the Israeli response. And I have two reactions to it. Number one, horror. And it's, you know, you recoil at the sight of these children suffering. And number two, I quickly have to wonder whether it's real because Hamas regularly puts out fake propaganda in order to bolster its side. I'm not saying children haven't died and haven't and aren't suffering there, but I, I don't trust anything coming from them and their propaganda masters. But I do put the suffering of the children that I do know is happening on Hamas. That's that's where I put it. It's on Hamas. What did they think was going to happen? And what and especially where's her? Where is Queen Rania? And she's just a, you know, she's the face of today's discussion. But there are so many who feel as she does, who have been denying and downplaying uh, on the fact that Hamas uses children as human shields. They make sure that they are in civilian centers when Israel is going to respond. Israel does what it can, everything it can to, to make sure civilians aren't in harm's way. And yet the condemnations take none of that into account. None. Because what? It's agenda driven because it's really about the evil Israel, the evil Jews. Indeed. I mean, look, think of it this way. On October 7th, a terrible reality occurred. So at that point, you would think if there ever was an event that might galvanize global support for the Jews, that would be the event, right? 1,400 plus people were murdered, raped, butchered, decapitated. We can debate about the exact numbers. But yet what has happened since that day, it has galvanized Jew hatred. That's why I became pessimistic, because there is no cause and effect relationship. You would think most decent people, notwithstanding that they may have different positions on the geopolitics of Israel versus Palestine, could take the individual event of October 7th and say, no, that's beyond the pale. As a human being, I'm going to condemn it period, nothing else stated. Well, in the past two weeks, we've only seen a growing rise of Jew hatred. I didn't go, to, uh, just tell you a quick personal story, because oftentimes these, these situations are best felt when someone shares their personal anecdotes. Last Friday, I had a departmental meeting, Megan, at my university. I didn't go to it because of security reasons. On Saturday, I had an open house that I had to attend. I didn't go to it for security reasons. Now, in the 21st century, should a Canadian professor feel very tepid about going to do his job as a professor? That's what we're now dealing with in the West. Because the messaging now has shifted, not so much in America, though we've seen these college students and so on, but around the world, it's shifted almost immediately to global condemnation of Israel. Case in point, the UN Secretary General uh, yesterday in a shocking statement that caused a, a backlash immediately from the Israeli representatives. And the UN can't stand Israel. It's never been able to stand Israel. Uh, the Human Rights Council is a joke. I'm Syria is on it. <laughs> it's like, what, what more do we need to say? And so the UN Secretary General gets out there, uh, Antonio Guterres, and says the following. Nothing can justify the deliberate killing, injuring, and kidnapping of civilians or the launching of rockets against civilian targets. All hostages must be treated humanely and released immediately and without conditions. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. 
the Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence, their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. But the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas, and those appalling attacks cannot justify the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. Collective punishment, which is a war crime, which that we continue to hear leveled against Israel as it mounts its response, doing everything within its power to not punish civilians, as we just discussed. For the record, the Israeli UN ambassador responded to what we just saw as follows. When you say those terrible words that these heinous attacks did not happen in a vacuum, you are tolerating terrorism. Secretary General must resign because from now on, every day that he is here in this building, unless he apologizes immediately, today we called him to apologize, there's no justification to the existence of this building. So, Gad, the thing, I'm not that into U.N. politics. We know what the U.N.'s about at this point. But I am interested in what you were saying, that you as a Jewish man in Canada are feeling unsafe right now. We've heard it from a lot of our Jewish friends here in America. And when you get a message from somebody with his title, because the U.N. Secretary General is a title that many people would listen to and might respect if they hadn't done their deep dive, uh, it's not helpful, right? He's basically saying it's Israel's fault. If you look at his full remarks, it's the fault of the Jews, and the Jews really need to stop retaliating uh, because it's going to make them more morally culpable than the Palestinians. Yeah, so a couple of things to say. Number one, uh, I announced a, a game a few days ago. I called it Six Degrees of Jew. So I list any calamity, and in six or fewer causal steps, you have to link it to the Jew. And and so I played that game with some people. And, you know, of course I do it, you know, using my satire and so on, but it's deathly serious because people are able to link everything to the Jew. So for example, if there's now been open border immigration in the West that has created a lot of instability in our societies that has led to huge Jew hatred in the West, people won't blame the those who are actually engaging in the Jew hatred. They'll say, but it was Jews that were behind the open border immigration policy. I'll just give you one other example, and then I want to talk about something that happened to me in Canada regarding Jew hatred. Uh, there, there's been, as you probably know, Megan, in uh, Britain, a industrial scale level rape of young British girls up and down England. And 99% of the ones who were engaging in these noble acts of undocumented lovemaking were of one particular <laughs> faith, right? So when I shared that, and I just said, I left it, I used the Socratic method. I said, what is common to all those people? Then tons of people replied in all sorts of ways saying, yeah, but who let those people in? It was the Jews. It's George Soros's open door policy, open societies. So even when Ahmed rapes, it's more the high that's to blame. So when you have that kind of orgiastic cognitive Jew hatred, it's impenetrable. Now, quickly, regarding to what's happening in Canada for Jews, uh, I'll begin with a story that happened to me in, in Lebanon because it's really relevant to the story. When my family and I escaped Lebanon and we were on that flight out of Lebanon, when we 
left the Lebanese airspace, the pilot announced that we were now out of Lebanese airspace. My mother took out a pendant with a Star of David, put it around my neck and said, now you can wear this, be proud of who you are and not hide your identity. Now, let's fast forward to several days ago. My wife calls me from the phone. I'm sitting at a cafe. She says, okay, we're outside to pick you up. She, she had gone to pick up our son from a soccer match. As soon as I got into the car, he's 11 years old. He said, daddy, if you were where I was today playing soccer and you had a Magen David on, you'd be dead. So boy, have we come full circle. I escaped oh. Lebanon and my mother put the Star of David around me. And my son, 45 years later, tells me you would be dead if you're wearing a Magen David in Montreal, Canada. That's where we're at, oh, Megan. Yes. Terrifying. A friend of mine was just telling me yesterday, she has a young boy who's, uh, I think, 12. And he, of course, heard about what's happening. And he said, well, you know, what, what are we going to do if the people who hate Jewish people come here, come to our house? This is a Jewish family, obviously. And uh, she said, oh, they're not going to, honey. You don't have to worry about that. That's not happening here. And he was like, but what if they do? You know, they, the Israelis didn't think that they were going to come into their houses like that. What if, what if they do come here? Like, what's our plan? It was feeling very unsteady about, you know, the risks, as you point out, like here in the West, in the United States, in Canada, because if you just turn on the TV for two minutes, you're going to see thousands of protesters in favor of Hamas and the Palestinians. And you are not going to see thousands of protesters in favor of Israel or or American or Canadian Jews. That's not happening. This sort of the counter movement, even though the majorities are supportive of Israel and what it's defending itself against. Um, I do want to talk about your your take on this, Gad, because last time you were on, we were talking about your book on happiness. You are a, a happy warrior. I, I've called you that before. One of the great things about you is you always find the humor in the darkness. And even today, you've made a joke that made me laugh. But, but the, overall, your tone is scaring me. <laughs> um, because I know you're not a dark, pessimistic person by nature. So here's a couple of things you tweeted out. Um, I'll shorten one of them for time. You, you, you acknowledge, I'm a very optimistic person. I'm a fighter for Western values and liberties. I'm a dogged defender of science, reason, and common sense. I must say, though, that I am unsure that the West can recover from its multi-front civilizational suicide. It will be a long and ultimately bloody demise, and the West will be the first society in recorded history to fully self-implode due to its parasitic ideological rapture. Then another one, 1023. Over the past two weeks, the reality has been unabated, unhinged, orgiastic Jew hatred. I do not see a way out of this. I'm trying to play out different scenarios and it looks so bleak. I always believe in the power of reason, but not if your predators are foaming with genocidal zeal. I truly think that this might be a historical tipping point in the West. Man, can you expand on that? Well, it's it's exactly the fear that that uh, person that you're talking about, knock, it's, it's the proverbial knock on the door. For many, many years, we were protected in the West because as the very astute adage demography is destiny was key, right? So for example, in Montreal, Jews outnumbered Jew haters, and therefore you felt safe in numbers, right? I mean, in many 
animal dynamics, you have a predator that's coming after a school of fish, right? But as long as there's a, a whole bunch of us, we feel safe in numbers. As demographic realities change, it doesn't take a fancy professor with all of my titles to come up with connecting the dots, which is, let, let's let's put it in very simple terms, uh, Megan. If on any given day, if I'm trying to lose weight, only three things can happen as a result of the decisions that I make that day. My weight can either go up that day, it could stay exactly the same, or it can go down. No, there's no other possibility, no other states of, of the world. Well, let's apply that to say, open immigration where you let in people who have complete cultural values that are antithetical to yours. So let's suppose you let in millions of people into your society where in their society, based on nonpartisan and oftentimes woke surveys, there is 95 to 99% of sampled people who exhibit hatred towards the Jew. So now you let in 100,000 or a million or 10 million. Only three things can happen in the host society. It either increases Jew hatred, it doesn't alter the level of Jew hatred, or it decreases Jew hatred. So now everybody is contacting me, including some of my super progressive, smart, liberal uh, Jewish friends saying, oh my God, we should have listened to you. You were right. Well, but yes, you should have listened to me because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize that if you're going to let in people who don't share your moral uh, compass your cu cultural values, you're going to have trouble. That's not an indictment to every single person of that culture, but cultures have values. Some of them are congruent with ours, others are not. So the quick, the quicker we get out of our pa parasitic ideological rapture, the quicker we can intervene and try to fix the problems. I'm afraid though that the West is going la la la. We can't do that because that would be bigoted. Mm -hmm. On on the subject of you know cultural takeover and of the sexual assaults happening in places like England and France from these new arrivals. I, I referenced this the other week. And last Friday, we had on Ayan Hirsi Ali, her book, Prey, P-R-E-Y, does a great job of documenting in particular what's happening in France, but it's you can expand it. It's not just France and it's not just sexual assault and rape of women. Uh, the, the cultural capture and changes that are happening uh, overseas and here domestically are right before our eyes, if only we would open them. There was some polling done October 18th through 19th, so post, well post the attack on the Israelis by Harvard. It's a Harvard Caps Harris poll. I've got to go through some of these numbers with you because sure. they bolster your point. And, but they're still alarming, Gad. They're still alarming. So they polled a bunch of different people, 2,100 registered voters. And they give you numbers of overall, but they also zero in on 18 to 24-year-olds. And this group is deeply problematic. This is not like, oh, I used to be pro-choice, but now I'm pro-life, you know, after I saw the ultrasound. No, this is something entirely different. Do you think the recent attack on Israel was a terrorist attack or not? 36% of 18 to 24-year-olds, so more than a third of them say, no, that was not a terrorist attack. Um, in general, in this conflict, do you side more with Israel or Hamas? 48% side with Hamas, 52% Israel. It's basically half of 18 to 24-year-olds side with Hamas. The questioners did not even say the Palestinians. They used Hamas, and this group said, yep, 
we're with them. Uh, do you think the Hamas killing of 1,200 Israeli civilians can be justified by the grievances of Palestinians or not justified? And only, and, and the majority said it can be justified. 51% said it can be justified by the grievance. 51%. So a majority showed that, yeah, they thought it was justified. More think it is than think it was not. I, I could keep going. The numbers are incredibly alarming. Overall, the numbers are still good. They're not perfect. <laughs> they're not amazing, but they're still in like the, the you know, 86% of overall think it was a terrorist attack. 83% of overall think the terrorists did kill Jews. Um, Hamas did, did kill them and that it is a true story. But I mean, the amount of bias, a failure to understand what the news is reporting and whether it's, it's accurate is uh, it's truly dangerous. Gad. Yeah. The, the, therein lies the darkness of the, of the tone of my, of that tweet that you kindly read, right? Look, I'll even, I'll even make it more alarming for you. I, I just did a few days ago, a, a clip on my, uh, uh, channel, uh, that very much speaks to uh, the ideas in the in the parasitic mind. Anna Epstein, a university student at Boston oh. University, was caught. Oh, do you want to do you want me to hold off? Yeah, yes, I'll play it and then you react to it. So sure. she's a Jewish person. We actually originally ran this clip believing because it was originally posted with a label that it was from NYU. It wasn't. It was from Boston University. Exactly, and. We saw women pulling down the posters of the hostages and then scurry off. What we didn't see was the epilogue to that exchange, which involved this woman who was also there and helping them named Anna Epstein. This was posted later, Boston University. She's confronted by the iPhone recorder person about what she's doing. And Gad has thoughts. Here's here's the clip. People are killing innocent civilians. They killed friends of ours. Families, people here are affected directly, and you guys are denying it, taking them out, spreading hate, encouraging anti-Semitism. Dude, you literally know I'm Jewish. You have no right to tell people that their beliefs are wrong or that it's they're not a belief. supporting. No, Condemning that's... fucking Hamas is not a belief. Why you don't you have to believe this? to think that they're raping someone, it's wrong. Why are you filming? Because. What's your point? What? To, to show where the, all of the hate is coming from in this campus. Look, you are reading into propaganda. Sure. Yeah. Hmm? Tell me. You're tell supporting me. occupation. An illegal occupation that's been posture? happening for 75 years. It's about years. Hamas and, 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 the, and the atrocities and the, all of the war crimes they're committing. It's not about anything else. You're not condemning terrorists? That shit is wrong. What do you make of it? So let me tell you the story of the suicidal cr cricket. This, this is exactly what lies behind the, the framework in the, the parasitic mind. So there's a cricket that abhors water, but when it is parasitized by a hairworm, the hairworm needs the cricket to jump into the water in order to complete its reproductive cycle. Even though by jumping into the water, the cricket is committing suicide because its brain has been parasitized by this hairworm, and then it's willing to be a zombie and kill itself in the interest of the hairworm. That's now called the Anna Epstein strategy. Anna <laughs> Epstein is a Jewish woman. If Anna Epstein had had the misfortune of being in one of those kibbutz, she would have been raped, sodomized, burned, and then killed. 
So then she wakes up on a given day. I don't know what day that was filmed at Boston University and says, here's a great idea to show the street cred of how progressive I am. I stand amongst my Hamas brethren. That's what a parasitic mind is. That's why I wrote the tweet that I did, Megan, because it now seems impenetrable. Here stands before you the most optimistic, happy guy in the world. And everywhere I turn, I see darkness. Mm, I see it too. There's another cricket by the name of um, Noah Schaefer. He was seen, turns out he's a magician. You're supposed to be in the business of making people happy, smile, feel good. From Brooklyn, one of the most liberal places in the on the earth, it wasn't always thus. Um, and there's a video of him posted by Stop Anti-Semitism on, on X of Noah and his wife, who's a city social worker. Uh, her name is Kelly, tearing down the posters. We, we'll play it. So they're tearing down the posters because they don't want any Israeli children found. There's Noah and his wife. And they start laughing at the Jewish woman who confronted them more concerned about themselves. We don't consent to you recording us. Well, we don't consent to you ripping down the posters of the Israeli hostages, you sick. Okay. Turns out Noah is Jewish. He works for his father. Not exactly sure what they do. Some company called Human Factors, the UX company. In any event, his dad has suspended him and wants us to know his son is not an anti-Semite, but he wants to give him the chance to reflect about his Jewish family history and to make amends. So it, you know, the Anna Epstein's of the world are not alone, Gad. There's a bunch of them, including, as you know, and I've seen you call attention to it too, the damn gays for groomers. They're out there too, right? Or not gays or, for groomers. We like gay for, gays for groomers. Gay, gays for Palestine, which are just right. insane. Or as I call them, uh, the geese for foie gras. Right. The geese are yes. forcefully fed. Right. And so or the chickens for Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's insane. Right. I mean, think about it. If your identity when you present yourself to the world is your queer identity, more power to you. That's great. And now you have a model of two possible societies that you could defend. You could defend super queer friendly Tel Aviv. It's one of the most queer friendly places on earth. I mean, short of San Francisco, New York, Montreal, Tel Aviv is right up there amongst the most queer friendly places. Or you have Gaza where they have a very, very effective conversion, a gravity-based conversion program that you can undertake. And so who do they <laughs> side with? They side with Gaza. That's what a cricket that's parasitized does. Yes, and to clear up my what I said, Gays against groomers is one of the best X accounts there is. We love gays against groomers, not gays for groomers. I don't know what that is. But gays for Palestine is a very, very confused group. And on Monday night in New York City, we saw, I guess, an offshoot. Queers for Palestine yes. march through the city yelling, fuck Israel. <laughs> um, and then also their pal their speakers were yelling, we understand that Palestinian liberation is black liberation. Uh, then they were cha chanting queer rights, trans rights. We say no to genocide. Number one, that doesn't rhyme. So it, I object to it. 
Number two, it makes absolutely no sense on any level. Queer rights, trans rights, we say no to genocide. Where? In Gaza? Gays for Gaza, ceasefire now was another one. Queers for liberated Palestine. These people know nothing, Gad. They know you missed one. nothing. You, you missed one. You missed climate, climate justice for Palestine with our, our mutual mentor, Greta Thunberg, right? I mean, I mean, when I think yes. of Hamas and Gaza, I think of green marketing. I think of, you know, living, you know, coexisting with Mother Earth. I mean, that's what a parasitic mind is, right? But it shows you that it's just posturing. It's a bunch of imbeciles who have romanticized the idea of the dynamics of oppressor and oppressed. The Palestinians are always oppressed by definition. The evil Jews are always the oppressors. Let's look at those dynamics. Roughly 99.6% of the land surrounding Israel is Islamic. 0.4% is, is Israel, roughly the size of New Jersey. Let's put it another way. For every Jew in the world, there's 125 uh, Muslims. So it's a one to 125. There are 57 countries that are part of the Organization of Islamic Co Cooperation. Each of those countries one day had 0% Islam in it. And then magically, most of those countries became 100% Islamic. How did that happen? Through magic? So that's the problem is that I can't even get to your brain to show you the evidence. You're so parasitized that you are impenetrable to reason and hence why I put out that tweet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really look at the Anna Epstein's of the world, you think she's sitting there thinking, they'll save me. They'll, they, won't, they won't take me, because I'm gonna show them the tape of how I supported pulling exactly. down. I mean, uh, of course it's absurd, but just for no not for nothing, Anna, there were plenty of Jews living on these kibbutzes who were going to the border, getting sick Gazan children and driving them to hospitals so they could be treated. Dialysis and other treatment that they needed. They were letting Gazans across the border to work in their kibbutzes and help and earn a living because they really ha were hopeful for peace. Um, many of them are raped and dead now. So good luck on your future hand across the aisle approach. Gadsad stays with us. Thankfully, because we've got a lot more to go over. Stand by. Hollywood is under siege, covertly compromised by a global adversary. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream to the world is now making nightmares a reality. The American way of life is being censored by the Chinese Communist Party. Some films have scenes completely altered. Other films have lost their funding or been canceled altogether. Some actors have been banned from China for supporting human rights. Hollywood Takeover is a documentary brought to you by the Epoch Times, revealing how the CCP has infiltrated major movie studios. Join Chris Fenton, a former Hollywood executive, and Tiffany Meyer, an investigative news reporter, through their journey in exposing how the film industry gradually lost its integrity on its path to profits. Don't miss the most important documentary ever made about Hollywood. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free on hollywoodtakeover.com slash mk. That's hollywoodtakeover.com slash mk. Before we leave the subject of um, gays for Palestine, got to spend a minute on Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino, who has said absolutely nothing 
about the massacre of 14 to 1500 Israelis uh, has now posted something asking for money for Gaza. This is where her focus went. She's married to, in a gay marriage, no less, uh, an Israeli American with Jewish heritage. But her sympathies lay with Gaza. And she also has a BLM profile picture on her Instagram homepage, the same group that came out with its paragliders celebrating the invasion and the mass murder in Israel. Um, This is somebody who has got sponsorship deals with Subway, Samsung, Victoria's Secret, Google, Visa, Hulu, Body Armor, and other major companies. And apparently we'll get away with all of this because what she's really focused on is not those pesky dead Israelis. That just, she's just going to skim right over this because as a gay, she sees where the real human rights violators are. Yeah. It, I mean, Rapino, it's, it's as if she wakes up in the morning and says, what, whatever issue that is up for debate, she chooses to always be grotesquely and maximally on the wrong side of every single possible issue. And the only way that I could explain this is that she's just a malignant, parasitized narcissist, right? Like there's no sense of honor or shame in her. And therefore she spews the nonsense that you just referred to. She's unbelievable, right? No sense of gratitude. It's it's unreal. Yeah. It's you you, you look at her. Again, you, she's here's a here's a woman who's made millions off of her soccer career thanks to all of us. And when she's leaving the game, does she reach back and say, "I'm going to watch out for the girls coming up behind me who are powerless in terms of their voices"? No, she says, "Men, you're welcome to play against women in our sport as long as you declare yourself female. You're in." And and screw anybody who says that this is a problem. Then here, she's married to an American Israeli and an Israeli American who she just says, "You know what? Forget that problem." I really want to raise money for the suffering children in Gaza. How about the suffering families in Israel right now? Even a thought for them? No. In fact, if you have any doubt, look at my BLM sticker. I'm so over this woman. You're right. She is a malignant narcissist and she never should be given those endorsements. All of those companies should cancel them. Um, Okay. I want to spend one more minute on London because we were talking about what's happened there with, you know, mass immigration that's not controlled and no assimilation. It's happening here happened in Paris. It's happening across the globe. Um, There was this woman who was used by ITV, one of the big broadcasters over there. You know the story. They used her to comment on, wait for it, the rise in Islamophobia post-October 7th. That's where the real issue is. And she went off claiming that she had been called a terrorist by strangers on the street. I doubt it. Um, And only... After it aired, did ITV finally realize, because it took about two seconds of Googling this woman's name for people on the street saying, that's BS, that is not what you find in London, a bunch of Islamophobia, uh, to figure out that this woman, well, you could argue she has some sympathies for the Hamas terrorists, like in this video, which was available to them, but they apparently chose not to see. Nothing will ever be able to take back this moment, this moment of triumph, this moment of resistance, this moment of surprise, this moment of humiliation on behalf of the Zionist entity, nothing ever. That was right after October 7th. And then they booked her to speak on ITV about Islamophobia. 
been called a terrorist, I've been asked to go back home, I've had people in their cars making threatening gestures. For people like Latifa Abu Chakra, a British Palestinian living in London, just going about her daily business doesn't feel safe. It makes me feel that as a Muslim woman in this country, no matter how hard I work, no matter how good I can be, it will never be enough because apparently Muslims and Palestinians are inherently terrorists according to the system here. Yeah. I was going to say, if only Alfred Kinsey, who studied human sexuality, had access to her because the face that she was signaling to the world is exactly the face of what a multiple orgasm on a woman looks like. She was <laughs> orgasmic in oh, her God. glee, right? It is yeah. unbelievable, right? No human being could. But by the way, th that's part of the problem with the West is that they don't recognize how that mindset works. It's just whereas for me, it's so easy to see because I grew up with this nonsense. So there you have it. That's what an orgasm looks like. She loved every second of the mass murder of children, as long as they were Israeli and Jewish. And yeah. I mean, now ITV has been forced to, to, to respond. And their statement is, we are investigating concerns that were raised about one contributor. Okay, good luck on your investigation. It's kind of over, ITV. You don't need to investigate. Once you see that clip, you're good. It's time to move on. Well, all, you all you need to do is say you're sorry and then never book her again and maybe be slightly more skeptical about claims of Islamophobia in the immediate aftermath of a terrible attack on Jews. Uh, that's the story. They don't get it because they too have been parestatized. Is that the right way? Parestatized. Parestatized. Okay, I think I got it. I like the cricket. That <laughs> works for me too. Um, they're not the only ones, of course. The news coverage has been absolutely dreadful th throughout this thing, Gad. I mean, we've seen example after example of it. And I wonder whether you think, like, how much do you think that's driving things like the numbers on, in that poll we just took of the 18 to 24-year-olds? Well, it's a multi-pronged problem, right? So if you go to the university, you're also being taught that. If you turn to your elementary school, you have Islamophobia Day, not Jew Hatred Day. So it's it's coming at you from every direction. Again, that's why I refer back to the ominous uh, you know, valence of that tweet that you read of mine, because the, you know, the reason why I wake up every day with optimism is I always find a, the light of at the end of the tunnel where I can hopefully affect some positive change. Whereas now I'm turning everywhere. My kids school is pro Hamas, even though the school might have a lot of Jewish kids. I turn to my university, it's demonstrations outside my office. If I turn to the politicians and Karine Jean-Pierre, it's, well, we we have to combat Islamophobia as a response to increased Jew hatred. So that's why I feel it's lost. How can you win a war where the people who are the victims of the war want to see their quick demise? It's hopeless. No, it can't be. We, it can't be. We have to. We have to find a way. We have to find a way to get to get through to them. There are some promising signs, which we'll talk about. Stand by. More with Gad right after this. Hollywood is under siege, covertly compromised by a global adversary. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream to the world is now making nightmares a reality. The American way of life is being censored by the Chinese Communist Party. Some films have scenes completely altered. Other films have lost their funding or been canceled altogether. Some actors have been banned from China for supporting human rights. 
Hollywood Takeover is a documentary brought to you by the Epoch Times, revealing how the CCP has infiltrated major movie studios. Join Chris Fenton, a former Hollywood executive, and Tiffany Meyer, an investigative news reporter, through their journey in exposing how the film industry gradually lost its integrity on its path to profits. Don't miss the most important documentary ever made about Hollywood. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free on HollywoodTakeover.com MK. That's HollywoodTakeover.com MK. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. On the subject of the media, there was a report by NPR in Boston. They used a professor from Northwestern University, specifically their Qatar branch. Didn't realize we had that, but we do. Professor at Northwestern University in Qatar, Professor Khalid Harob. And again, this aired on Boston's NPR. And they decided to get his thoughts on this whole conflict, only to later find out um, that this person, too, just like the other lady we just showed you from ITV in London, has got a bit of a problematic past in commenting on Israel and Palestine. And even in the wake of this attack on October 17th, said the following in an interview with, quote, The Print. Listen to SOT 12. The main story that kind of dominated the media, global media, first Western media, it was led by Western media, and it became the narrative. Hamas beheaded uh, 40 babies. Hamas raped women. Hamas killed civilians. Yeah, unfortunately, the rest of us, they will take the cue from that narrative. Now, after two, three days, there was no proof, no proof whatsoever. And yet the damage has been done. And everywhere until today, as you follow, as I follow, you, people still buying the, the stories of, you know, babies and, and women raping and, and all of that. Now, based on this, my question to everyone, what are the, what are the evidence? The source of this is Israel. I have doubts. Yes, I am not defending, not apologizing, but I am being careful and say there is a need for more examination to say what is happening exactly. We need to see things. So this guy, Northwestern professor, doesn't believe it happened, doesn't, doesn't believe in the atrocities that happened in Israel, gets put on NPR. Then he gets put on CNN. CNN has no problem with his past comments. Just Google the guy. It's so obvious. You got to be careful. They, CNN puts him on too. And now Northwestern comes out and says, oh, you know what? Um, this should not be interpreted as the university's official stance, but we firmly support academic freedom and freedom of expression. It's the same playbook we've seen time and time again. All these universities, which you've been speaking out about for years, have finally found their commitment to free speech as their professors come out to say there were no raped women. There are no dead children. Where's the proof? And then go back to teaching our children. Since he's so much into media integrity, uh, how does he feel about the uh, Israel's 
Israel bombed the hospital because that seems to have been uh, uh, nullified as a as a false original story. They so, don't accept that. Rashida Tlaib accept- doesn't accept that. Guys like this don't accept that. They still want an investigation. Yeah, they want an inv- probably by the UN. <laughs> they want the UN guy. Sure, I'm sure how that's going to work out. It's just, but see that again. That's where my pessimism comes up. My my optimism comes from the fact that I believe that most humans have the capacity to rise above tribalism and and use their cognitive reasoning to come to truth. But now I'm seeing that it really is uh, maybe too too much of an optimistic position because no amount. And I've tried to engage some of these people both privately and publicly, and. Once they are fully parasitized by their hatred to the Jew, it's impossible to connect with you, right? So, for example, they say, well, the Holocaust happened, but it was 30,000 people. It wasn't 6 million people. And so there's always some equivocation. You can't simply say episode X was dreadful, period. So, yes, maybe they killed some babies, but they didn't decapitate them. And if they decapitated them, it wasn't 40. So they always come up with the higher And it was post-mortem. And it was, it was post-mortem. post-mortem. So, they, they had sex with them, but it was after the fact, not while she was alive. Uh, honestly, that's like, like that's what it's been reduced to. It's absolutely insane. So when you say like you're worried about the future of the West, I mean, you put it more eloquently than I just did. I read the tweet. Like, what do you mean exactly? Well, so let me analogize. Uh, you go see your doctor and God forbid, he says, you've got stage four cancer. So you first say, well, there is no such thing as cancer. Uh, and then you say, well, if there is cancer, it's the Jews who did it. And if there's a cure for cancer, probably the Jews are not going to share it. And here's what I'm going to do to intervene to deal with my cancer. I'm going to smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. I'm going to spend four hours in an artificial sunbed. And I'm going to take a deep inhalation in my bag of asbestos. That's what's happening with the West. The old cliche of you first have to recognize the problem before you do anything about it, right? I lost a lot of weight since COVID. I lost it because when my physician said, hey, God, you're overweight, you have young children, you need to lose weight. I recognized that Lizzo's comment of healthy and beautiful at any size is not true. And I knew that I had to lose weight. So the West right now is receiving this professor's healthy evaluation. And it's telling you, you're not healthy. You cannot coexist with ideologies, which when they become in the majority, the first thing they will do is get rid of all of your liberties. The Muslim Brotherhood said many years ago, something that I'm going to repeat here. They said, we are going to conquer you in three ways. We're going to conquer you through the womb of our women, demography, higher fertility, We're going to conquer you through hijra. Hijra is the Arabic word for immigration. And we're going to conquer you by using your miserable freedoms against you. They're doing a pretty good job, aren't they, Megan? So what do you, you know, you and I are sitting here 20 years from now, and we're a little grayer and older and more lined. And we're talking about our respective countries then. What, you know, all these young college students between 18 and 24 are now running the country. What does it look like? Do they if, mature if it, out of this hatred? Right. If if we stay the course, then in 20 years, it's not all lost, but it's a lot more uh, volatile than it is now. So it's not yet full Beirut house to house 
fighting, but it is whatever you're seeing now that looks ominous, it'll be 20 years down the line more ominous. If there is some cataclysmic change whereby people collectively wake up, when I say people, it's not even though you and I have the, the capacity to influence ideas, but it's the policymakers, it's the it's the leaders that ultimately affect change. If we keep producing leaders like Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau, then I would quickly look for an Islamic name for your children. Oh boy. Can I ask you about uh, Canadian politics? Because there's this guy who went around the internet and we all fell in love with him. Um, Pierre... Okay, help me out. What's his last? How do you pronounce the last name? Polievre. Polievre. Okay, Pierre Polievre. I don't know if people have seen this. I tweeted it. I'm sure many people tweeted it, X did a post it, whatever. And he's this more conservative leaning Canadian politician who was eating an apple as he was interviewed by an editor of the Times Chronicle about populism and politics. And he crushed this reporter so effortlessly. I'm going to show just a bit of the whole clip is well worth watching, but here yeah. is just a sample. You tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing, you know, I mean, it's that, that type I of ideological thing. I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of people. I don't really believe in that. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. I, you must know somebody. Why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given you know not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but what are you also, talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. <laughs> Was a thing of beauty. I I'm ready to vote for him. I mean, that's on many fronts, right? first of all, he's got the honey badger. I don't give an F uh, posturing, right? The eating yeah. of the apple in this way is kind of like a James Bond villain. So the, the optics are beautiful. I would only say one thing. I, I, I understand why so many people are enamored with him. It was beautiful. And I'm getting to know a lot of his politics a lot better. When it comes, though, to his position on immigration, which is the most fundamental uh -oh. thing that you and I have been talking about today, well, don't be so in love with his apple yet. As long as he just lets me in so I, I can come up there. He seems so reasonable. But you're right. Immigration is like it's it already was a number one issue for Republicans down here. I mean, for sure. It's always it's economy and immigration and, and in every poll of Republicans in, in America. Um, but now even more so, if you don't see how that issue relates directly to what we're seeing across the globe, and you're truly not paying attention. So it does matter. Maybe he'll come, he'll see the light. But I think it's true that like this chair would be better than Justin Trudeau. A, a tree stump would be better than Justin Trudeau. Like, it, is there any chance Pierre, even with his flaw in immigration, has against Justin Trudeau or you know, to win? I, I think he does. I think certainly, uh, I haven't followed the polls closely, but it certainly looks like he's starting to to lead. Uh, anything can happen in our parliamentary system. It's hard to predict, but uh, he certainly seen he meaning Pierre, he certainly seems to be a better counterweight on the conservative side than any of the previous guys that were there. So in that sense, there is some optimism that we can glean from this. Well, I will say then he then he spikes the ball in the end zone when he finally when the reporter finally gets to a coherent question. And we'll play a little bit of that too in SOT 25.
Why should Canadians trust you with their vote? Common sense. Okay. Common sense for, for a change. We're going to make common sense common in this country. We don't have any common sense in the current government. You know, the guy prints $600 billion, grows our money supply by 32% in three years. That's growing the money eight times faster than the economy. No wonder we have the worst inflation in four decades. You'll want to be able to pay your mortgage again. You want to be able to afford rent. Then you have to vote for Pierre Polyev because I'm the only one with a common sense plan that will bring back the buying power of your paycheck. All right, Pierre, we'll just see. You got to shore up the border. Not not from us. Americans would be a nice addition up there. The, the, the right Americans. Um, but from from all these other problems, Gad, any any shoots of green that we can point to? Are you seeing like some of the people getting fired? We talked earlier about that guy at Cornell who was like, it was exhilarating to see all those dead Jews. I was excited by it. Well, he just got put on a leave of absence. Yay. We've seen law offers uh, revoked by law firms. We've seen uh, college donors pull their money like there. There is some backlash to the madness. Do you put any stock in that? I, I do look any any change in the positive direction is good and is to be celebrated, but I think it's got it has to be much broader than that. So it's kind of like I go to see the the physician and uh, I've got really a bad raging case of diabetes, but then I say, you know what? But I'll take care of my dandruff first. Well, maybe don't care about the that. So 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 yes, it's good. It's all part of trying to find a better solution for our societies. But as I like the word cataclysmic because it has to be much quicker, which by the way, that's one of the reasons why Donald Trump was so hated because he was a cataclysmic agent of change for better or worse. He was going to shake things up. So we need a much more rapid response, not just putting the Cornell guy, which is by the way, my alma mater, not just by putting him on leave, but by making all of these parasitic ideas be it in the dustbin of history, and then we can hopefully have a better future. Amen. Great to see you, my friend. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Cheers. Okay, we're going to come back and we're going to get into some political stories that have been by the wayside as we've been mostly Israel these past two weeks for obvious reasons, but there's a lot going on and we're going to get to it next. Hollywood is under siege, covertly compromised by a global adversary. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream to the world is now making nightmares a reality. The American way of life is being censored by the Chinese Communist Party. Some films have scenes completely altered. Other films have lost their funding or been canceled altogether. Some actors have been banned from China for supporting human rights. Hollywood Takeover is a documentary brought to you by the Epoch Times, revealing how the CCP has infiltrated major movie studios. Join Chris Fenton, a former Hollywood executive, and Tiffany Meyer, an investigative news reporter, through their journey in exposing how the film industry gradually lost its integrity on its path to profits. Don't miss the most important documentary ever made about Hollywood. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free on hollywoodtakeover.com slash mk. That's hollywoodtakeover.com slash mk. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Florida Governor and 2024 Republican candidate Ron DeSantis refusing to allow pro-Hamas student groups 
at any state university in Florida. This is an interesting way of going about this. We're going to talk about it. The chancellor for the state's university system disbanded two students group, student groups with ties to the National Students for Justice in Palestine. That's the group at all these universities that's been cheering on Hamas. Uh, the national branch of this group produced a so-called toolkit for students, uh, and, and that's been endorsed by the students in the Florida universities that are state-run, calling the Hamas terrorists, quote, the resistance, the October 7th attack, quote, a historic win, and saying they are, the students, quote, part of this movement, not just in solidarity with it. They say that explicitly, that they are actually part of it. So did he make the right move? Joining me now, Will Witt, editor-in-chief of the Florida Standard and author of the recently released book, Do Not Comply, and Evita Duffy Alfonso. She's a writer for The Federalist. Will, Evita, thank you both so much for being here. So very different reactions to this. Mark Levin, who we love, tweeted out America's governor. Um, Glenn Greenwald, who's very suspicious of government overreach at every turn, is sounding the alarm you know, authoritarian undertones. It's not okay to clamp down as a government on this kind of free speech, even if you don't like it on a college campus. Um, I will say, before I just toss it to you so you have some idea, that as I looked at it, my first instinct was overreach. I, I When I don't like speech, I don't like the government getting involved. Too bad, even if I, you can have the KKK out there. You know, it's like, that's America. But as I looked at it, there may be one wrinkle, and I'll get your take on it. Um, there is there is a law that doesn't allow, um, it's a felony under Florida law to knowingly provide material support to a designated foreign terrorist organization. Hamas is a designated foreign terrorist organization. And so the question is, are they knowingly providing material support? I don't know what material qualifies as, but them coming out and specifically saying we are part of the Hamas movement, not just in solidarity with it. We must act as part of the movement um, and going on to talk about how they will sit in, they will disrupt, uh, and it's all highly encouraged, could get DeSantis, in my view, closer to within the bounds of what's acceptable. That doesn't necessarily make it a good idea. That's where you guys come in. Well, as the Floridian, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's definitely a tough call. You just had actually one of the former Florida Supreme Court justices, who was actually the first Jewish woman to serve on the Florida Supreme Court, come out and also say that she was against this. I mean, you're looking back in history throughout America, looking at Berkeley and you know people burning their draft cards and the the armbands that were protesting against war, and you know a lot of people didn't like these kind of things, but you had the right to say it. Now, look, we're talking about some of these students might say, "Hey, look, I'm pro Hamas. I'm with Hamas now and doing this." But in my opinion, if you are still not expressing a direct threat of violence to somebody else, even if you have these ridiculous views, horrible views, I don't think that your speech should be censored. I think that if you have some organization on campus that's being funded by tax dollars that is then funneling money to a terrorist organization like Hamas, yeah, that should be disbanded. But to have any sort of, I would say, repercussions or you know, expulsion or something like that of a student who is just a part of a group. I don't think that that is correct under the First Amendment. And uh, to be honest, it seems like a little bit of an overreach on on my part. I think we've overcorrected. And uh, just to be clear, though, they're not being expelled, but their groups are being disbanded. Evita, what do you think? Right. 
Yeah, it's it's really tough for me. I think that the student groups are are abhorrent. All of the the reaction from these student groups has been has been ridiculous, ahistorical, uh, and and completely insensitive. I mean, they were coming out with with pro Palestine, pro Hamas protests uh, a day after after the terrorist attack. Um, but I but I, I I hesitate to clamp down on these schools. I think what really we should be going after is the institution itself, right? Where where are the students learning to act like this, right? Who is who is the one funneling the tax dollars um, from from the school into the hands of these pro Hamas student groups? It's it's the institution itself, and so I think really what we should be saying it's let's defund all these schools, all of the schools that are getting these tax breaks on their multi million dollar endowments um, uh, funds for for research, and we don't know where it's going. That's that's really going to to make a real difference because kids, they, you know, if you tell them don't do something, they're going to do it anyways, right? If you say you can't have a student group part of the university. University, they're going to make one on their own outside of the university. I did this with with this conservative paper that I started at U Chicago, right? I I knew that I wasn't going to get approved by the school, and so I started a paper um, with with University of Chicago students, just not affiliated with the university. That's what's going to happen here, and it's not going to get to the root of the problem. Mm, I know my instincts are let them speak, let them get out there, and let's let's see who's in the groups. I love what the employers are doing with hard no on coming into Apollo Global Management or Winston and Strawn Law Firm. Like you can say whatever the hell you want. And I, as an employer, can do whatever the hell I want because I cannot hire you because you have red hair. That's the law. The only thing I can't that's, that I, I can not use as a bar to your employment with me are things like race, age, gender, sexual orientation. But your position on supporting terrorists, fair game efforts, and you're not coming into my company. So get, go on out there. Raise your hand. Tell us what you stand for. I'd much rather learn about it now as opposed to when you're sitting in my cubicles next to all my Jewish employees who have to learn about your hate for them uh, while you're sharing a lunch terminal. That's my view on it. Um, but the, yeah. the hate is, I don't want to say it's ubiquitous, but it feels ubiquitous. Do you guys see what happened at GW, George Washington University? This is Jonathan Turley's uh, college. Last night, you know, it's been very controversial as um, people pull down the, the pictures of the hostages. Well, these students who are pro-Palestine or Hamas decided to do something different. Instead of pulling down the pictures of the hostages, they decided to get a projector and start projecting anti-Semitic messages on the side of a school building. Uh, here, we can show it to you. Watch it. All right. No. Oh, is this just the cops confronting them? No, I wanted to see the actual images. Um, hold on a second. I'm going to find the actual things for you and all my many notes. There it is. Okay. Glory to our martyrs. Hello. Glory to our martyrs. What? Like, it's pretty on the nose now. Divestment from Zionist genocide now. Um, and there's another one, too. Yeah. Free Palestine from the river to the sea, which, of course, is a call to eradicate Israel. The cops came over to tell them to get the hell off of the property and stop using somebody's building as their private billboard. And they refused to go. Finally, they did. But they confronted the police. They were obstinate. I mean, Will, like this, oh, I'll give you one more, actually, before I get way in. MIT, MIT, one of the country's most respected. I mean, honestly, you can make the argument the most respected and most difficult to get into institution of higher education in America. And not only were they chanting nonsense like this, Listen to what they were saying on their campus. Listen to the actual call they're making. I think the, the part that 
the most that this brought about more people than the one that we did last week in like one solution one solution you know what that means i mean it's it's the same thing as gas the jews yeah i mean i don't want to weigh in as a first amendment lawyer on this kind of thing and say you know i can tell whether or not each thing is a verbal actual threat or not i would say that from what it's it sounds not. like with that it yeah it's it, not. I, I would, it doesn't cross yeah. a legal line Right. So if it doesn't cross the legal line, I mean, it comes to a place where still, I think that you said it very well before when you're saying it's a free market of ideas. And if someone is going to be brave enough or quote unquote stupid enough to come out and say that this is what they really believe in and think that this is okay, an employer should be able to ban them or block them from getting any sort of career in a position of, of what they would actually like to do. I think that's definitely the case. But when it comes again to the free speech here in Florida, there was a new law that got passed with Ron DeSantis and Rep. Randy Fine that got signed while they were in Israel. And it was called, they say, the strongest anti-Semitism bill in the, in the history of the country. Now, I disagree with this bill. It essentially makes it so that if you vandalize something, it's like a public nuisances law. But if you vandalize something and it has some sort of hateful message with it, you could get a third degree felony for it, for having a First Amendment. And it, to me, these kinds of things, I think that we are overcorrecting if we are coming after these people based on grounds of that you are not allowed to say what you believe. Because if we don't have people who are discussing the ideas and saying, you know, being able to say one solution or something like this, how are people going to know that 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 there is evil in this country and that we can battle against it? I think that I think that these ideas have to be able to be said so that we can battle against them and, and find the, the the best outcomes for our, our students. But right now, it's it's just it's very difficult on what to do, I would say, for all of these people in these positions of power, because they don't want to step on yeah. toes and be looked at in the wrong way. Well, speaking of DeSantis, let's talk politics, because uh, the polls have not gotten any better for any of the GOP candidates not named Trump. The real clear politics average right now has Trump at 59 DeSantis remains in second at 13, Haley at 8.3, Ramaswamy down at 4.8. Haley's most recent poll numbers are a little higher, and she and DeSantis are tied in at least one recent poll. Uh, Pence, Christie, Scott, nothing, nothing to talk about. Before um, the August 23rd first Republican debate, Trump was at 55, DeSantis is at 14. So Trump's numbers have only gone up since skipping the debates, not to mention all the indictments. Uh, he's up 33 over DeSantis in Iowa. DeSantis, the next closest New Hampshire. He's up 31 over DeSantis. I could keep going. Mm -hmm. um, anyone see any reason why these numbers are going to change? You know, it's I, like I am open minded to one of these other candidates making a run at it and like doing something at Evita. But I don't exactly see the plan. No. And, and I think there's been some really feeble swings that DeSantis has tried to take at Trump and they just they're not landing. It's not it's not working. Um, and I think I think, uh, to be honest, I think a lot of it has to do with with the 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 prosecution of Trump, this political persecution of him. I think people look at what's happening to him and they identify with it because Democrats have essentially criminalized half the country. And Trump is the symbol of all of that. Right. The, the FBI has gone after traditional traditional Catholics. They've gone after, after peaceful pro-lifers. Now they're going after President Trump. I think this gag order is, is even more abhorrent. It's been underreported because it sort of got lost in, in this horrific Israel-Palestine conflict news cycle. Um, but to say that he cannot defend himself on the campaign trail against these these 91 you know, criminal uh, charges that he has against them, I, I, I think is, is so 
um, ridiculous and and reprehensible in the eyes of the American people that it's only going to get better for Trump and worse for the other Republican candidates. Will that play out in the general? Um, will that help him in the general? I don't know. That's a whole other topic. Mm, I know. I mean, DeSantis is doing what he can. He's not be getting particularly aggressive against Trump. Well, but he's kind of going to places he didn't go before. Case in point, um, he's accusing Trump of losing some spin off his fastball. He said something to me similar when I interviewed him, but he's getting a little bit more pointed with it. Here's SOT 29. And what Donald Trump does now, he is wedded to the teleprompter. He can't get off that teleprompter. Anytime he does, he says things like, don't vote. He's telling people not to vote. Like, we have all the votes we need. Really? Like, wait a minute. You lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton in 2016. You don't have all the votes you need. Um, and so I think that it's just shown this is a different Donald Trump than 2015 and 16. Um, lost the zip on his fastball, has a sense of entitlement, um, all this stuff. Doesn't think he has to go through and earn it like other candidates. And I will say the Biden campaign, already presuming Trump is their opponent, put out this video trying to make the same point. Saw 28. Right. It's all coming through Iran and Obama wants to, he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to mention, he means Biden. He doesn't even mention them in his statements. It's all coming through Iran. Well, you mean President Biden. So I have a choice of electrocution or shock. You know what I'm going to take? Electrocution. I will take electrocution every single time. Do we agree? We have the worst education almost in the large world. The uh, the world that people know about. I don't. Uh, OK, I mean, those aren't I, I there's been like he just I'll give you I'll give you one. I found those lame, uh, but he did confuse Hungary, Hungary and Turkey in this sound bites. Twenty seven. Had a lot of the horrible things. The world is exploding. If you take a look, I mean, the whole world is exploding. You know, I was very honored as a man. Victor Orban. Did ever, anyone ever hear of him? He's probably like one of the strongest leaders anywhere in the world. And he uh, he's the leader of right. He's the leader of Turkey fronts on both Russia. Had a lot of the horrible. All right. So you get the picture. Well, this is his opponents, DeSantis and Biden are trying to do to him what Biden does for, to himself every day. He goes in front of a camera. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to think that any of what Trump just did is as bad as Joe Biden is, of course, laughable. Everyone makes mistakes when they're speaking. I probably made a mistake speaking in one of the first questions that you asked me. You know, these things happen. It's just it's just <laughs> the nature of the game. I'm 27, but, you know, feeling yeah, like see? going on 87, it feels like sometimes. <laughs> but it, it, these things happen all the time. But I will say that I do think that DeSantis is correct, that this is not the same Donald Trump as 2015, as 2016, that people came to know and love. Donald Trump is also rising in the polls, in my opinion, because the American people don't necessarily want someone who is going to always talk about policy and the things that really are going down in the nitty gritty. They want someone who is likable. They want someone who is a celebrity. They want someone who is this martyr type of person. Now, granted, Donald Trump is all of those things. He is the most famous person in the entire world. Literally, there's no one more famous than him. Of course, people are going to see him and be drawn to him and attracted to him and like this type of personality and bravado. That DeSantis just doesn't have that same type of personality that Donald Trump has. And there's no there's no amount of going to 99 counties in Iowa or visiting New Hampshire and touring with the governor there to to 
to get over that. And that's just the case. But I think that if I think that if the American people said, listen, this country is in a state of turmoil, we need to care more about policy and the things that are actually happening and someone who can really get things done, I think they would look to potentially another candidate because as of now, Trump doesn't seem like the candidate to get things done and has just become someone who is getting persecuted by the government and these other institutions, which is, of course, wrong, but not someone who I feel like at this point is going to be the one to fix America's decline as I see it. Speaking of decline, <laughs> Joe Biden, there, there are a lot of other worse examples of Vita, but he went out to an event. Uh, it was at the White House. It was on Bidenomics, which is not working. He's getting crushed in the polls on his economy. Crushed. They should run from this term, but I guess they're just doubling down. He went and, well, you just, you'll see what happened. He walks to the podium. Good yeah, folks. I'm not introducing me, Mark is. I forgot Mark. I went, I went straight to the podium. I apologize. No problem. Poor Mark. Good afternoon. That's awkward, Mark. <laughs> it's every day we get something else like this from him. And there, there's a place for people who are in mental decline, and it is not the White House. I don't know how this no, is. No, they hard. call it assisted living. Uh, it's it is it's it's getting ridiculous at this point. And but part of my my reservation with even talking about all of these these gaffes and it, they're bad. Right. And they they make us as Americans look weak. They make our country look weak um, and, and they they make us feel insecure in the leadership of our country. But Biden is not just some bumbling idiot. Right. This is a man who is implicated in one of the most serious um criminal schemes in American political history, right? The Biden crime family is so, so serious. And right now he wants to send even more in the midst of this Israel-Palestine conflict. He wants to give even more money to Ukraine. Um, and we have to wonder, why is that? That's a really weird thing that he wants to give even more money to Ukraine. when We have our own problems at home and this conflict now in the Middle East. Um, and, and this conflict in Ukraine has no end in sight. We're honestly instigating it. Why is he doing that? If not that he is compromised by foreign nationals in that country and in Iran uh, and, and in China and in other places across the world. This is so serious. And so he's a bumbling idiot. Yes, he's he's obviously in mental decline, but he's also super dangerous. Mm. I mean, there are plenty of Republicans I, I, who want to give yeah. more money to Iran or more money to Ukraine who aren't who aren't compromised. But the evidence of the Biden corruption when it comes to Ukraine is pretty extensive. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually personally disagree on some of these aspects. I think that we as Republicans, you go and watch Fox News or Newsmax or any of these uh, conservative TV shows, and all we do is focus on Joe Biden, Joe Biden this, Joe Biden sucks that. It's it's not what young people are talking about. It's not what young people are thinking. I just finished a month-long book tour on the road, and most of the events were college campuses. And I talked to these young people who are Democrats or on the left or these Marxists. They don't like Joe Biden either and think that he's also a bumbling idiot and has no idea what's going on. I think that we focus too much on Joe Biden and don't focus enough on the ideas of leftism and consumerism and all these other things that are infecting the people of this country and bringing it to decline. If we think that it's just Joe Biden, if we get Joe Biden out of office, all our problems are going to be fixed. That is a it's a facade. It's something that we've we've made up because we don't want to look in the mirror and solve the problems of our lives in this country ourselves. I think we are taking responsibility off of what we should really be doing and trying to put it on Joe Biden instead of looking at ourselves. I, we are focusing what, what too are much on him. What are the young people talking about? 
Well, the young people are talking about, you know, that their friend is becoming trans. I mean, they did this survey at Harvard, or it was either Harvard or Stanford, I'm testing my memory, but it was that 50% of the students at Harvard or Stanford, I can't remember, are, are LGBTQ. That's an, an impossible number to think that 50% of these students are identifying with that. These no, are the things that they're lie. interested in. That's what I'm saying. You would think that it's a lie, yeah. but they did this polling and it shows ba- basically 50% of these students at Harvard, Harvard. And it's like, how can that be true? It's because these students are not focused on Joe Biden and his policies or, or you know, these kinds of things. They're focused on Palestine. They're focused on trans ideology. They're focused on the climate change stuff. This is their religion. So they get all of their morality and and life focus and purpose based on these new religious tenets. And, and we as Republicans and conservatives focusing on only Joe Biden are missing the picture on how to change young people in this country and make them believe in the values that we know to be right, the American values. We, we are missing the boat on this. I've got to spend a minute on this. You guys are very young and don't yet have kids, um, but I'm yes. sure it'll happen soon in Evita's case. I don't know about you. Are you married? Well, I don't know your, your personal status. No, I am not. No. Okay. Very eligible bachelor here, but, um, <laughs> When you have kids, you'll eventually get to the point that I just got to, and I've talked to other uh, guests and our viewers have written about this, where you know, I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old. There he goes with the raw milk again, everybody. And, oh, uh, every time. Every time. That's you know I love it. Bring it on so, the show. I know you love it. Um, and the, the pediatrician said at our last wellness visit when the kids were, I guess, 13 and 11, hey, at their next visit, at the next annual visit, there's going to be a moment where we say, mom, step out of the room and um, we're going to need just a couple of minutes alone with your child to go over some things. And these things are supposedly like sex, you know, are you having sex and you don't want your mom to know? And here's how to stay safe. And um, I've talked to a few people um, who said, don't let that happen. Like, do not let that happen because you don't know what you're getting. Because virtually all of these pediatricians have been captured by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they just held a conference. It's actually ongoing, right? It's, well, no, it was it ended yesterday, October 20th through 24th. And at this conference, you guys, which was in DC, they presented slides to your point, Will, of the gender obsession, slides of a gender presentation by this woman, Dr. Ilana Scherer, S-H-E-R-E-R. And Dr. Scherer shared too much. I object to everything she shared as completely made up and offensive. One of the slides she presented on discussing gender and sexuality in the primary care office. Okay. This is in the primary care office. So when the person's coming for the wellness visit, gender diverse youth, what do you call your parts? Renaming the feminine parts. The new, the the new words for feminine body parts include your innie. That's supposed to be a vagina, obviously front hole, dick or dicklet, forgive me for a clitoris, dicklet, fuck you, Dr. Scherer, T penises, don't even know what that is, chesticles for your breasts. I am so offended by this nonsense. Over on the masculine parts, we're renaming those to your Audi, your junk, strapless, or your bits. This is disgusting. And here's the addendum. I know I, I share your face, Avita. Here's Then they say how to ask teens about sex. They want your pediatrician to look at your kid and say, how would you describe your sexuality? Allow them to self-label or no label. Allow flexibility. Don't assume that LGBTQ identified youth are having sex or that they are 
only having sex with certain genders with an exclamation point. Tell me a little about how you have explored sex and intimacy and then all sorts of admonitions about how we're supposed to be staying open minded to third genders and so on. This woman, you won't be surprised to hear, was educated at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Right? They've been all over the news these past two weeks, pro Hamas, donors pulling their funds. This is insane. This is absolute madness, Evita. No, it is. It is complete madness. I remember when I was when I was younger, probably elementary school, middle school, and the pediatrician would ask to take me out of the room or to ask my mom to leave the room so that they could talk to me alone. And of course, it was probably going to be about safe sex, like you mentioned, Megan, but uh, my mom always said no. And now she especially says no, because I have I have eight younger siblings. All of many of them are still in elementary school, middle school, high school age. And she says, absolutely not. Why do we want adults talking to our kids about things that are completely inappropriate that we do not as parents would not want them to be discussing or thinking about? Because when you introduce these ideas to young kids, suddenly they start to actually get confused. What you're doing is not being, uh, you know, caring or, or or empathetic toward these kids, you're actually confusing them in their sexuality. Um, you're muddling the waters. You're making things uh, difficult for them. I, I also think that this is so concerning that it's coming from, from real medical doctors and medical association, from, from scientists even. This is the most anti-scientific ideology uh, that has ever emerged out of cultural Marxism. Radical gender ideology is culturally Marxist at its heart, it is anti-science and it is destroying the bodies of young boys and girls for the rest of their lives. It's so dangerous. And I, I am I am like you, Megan, I'm I'm extremely offended and angry that that young parents unknowingly are having their children subjected to it by by malicious doctors, pediatricians likewise. Yeah, it's bad enough, Will, that you have to worry about teachers doing this stuff to them while they're sitting there trying to learn history or they're supposed to be learning English. Now you're taking another mandated pediatrician visit, which we all have to do if we want to get them into school the next year. And they're telling you to get out so they can talk about dicklets and chesticles. I mean, it's insane. I know. I mean, I'm laughing when you're saying chesticles because obviously this is so ridiculous. And anyone who who uses something like this should be laughed out of any sort of academic institution. But the fact that we are even having discussions about this shows how unserious science has become in this country, how unserious our political discussions have become in this country. What should be happening right now is not us calling out the left for their hypocrisy and these kind of things, because that never works. It never shows that it never actually does anything to change what it is. We need to have strong Republican and leadership around this country, not just Republican, but people with a backbone come and say these types of things are not going to be allowed to happen anymore. Anymore. Scientific terms exist for a reason. So you can discern or discern and, and ascertain what the actual truth about someone's medical condition is or the type of gender or sex this person is. This is why these terms exist to muddy all these waters and say chesticles and dicklets. I mean, you're you're undermining what what hundreds of years of scientific research has done for human anatomy and, and humans in general. It really is like they're changing us. This is it toward the transhumanism movement. Oh, yeah. um, I had mm -hmm. Jennifer Billick on my show recently, and she was saying this whole thing, it's funded by very well, uh, well funded and well, you know, deep pocketed millionaires and billionaires like the Pritzkers who are making money off of all this nonsense. And it's it's all a step towards transhumanism where we're just there's no such thing as 
female or male anymore, nor necessarily just humans anymore. Everything is robotic and controlled and can be built in a lab. It's just, it's, it really does feel like something pushed by the Antichrist. I don't like, it's very dark. Um, okay. Just letting you know, breaking news, representative Mike Johnson, Republican of Louisiana has got 202 votes now for speaker. He needs 217. It's looking not so bad for him. He might actually get it. I don't, I couldn't care less. He, I can't, I don't care. I'm done. I don't, whatever. So I guess he'll get it. Nobody's ever heard of him. Good luck. Um, I want to, I'm going to do something more important and that's Britney Spears. Literally, this is more important than the speaker in my mind. I could, I'm so over what's happening, the drama in the Republican house. Um, Britney Spears comes out with this memoir, the woman in me. And I think there are actually a lot of life lessons in this thing. A lot of life lessons for people thinking about putting their child anywhere near the entertainment industry. Um, and frankly, it's a, it's a manual on how not to raise your children. She reveals she lost her virginity when she was 14 years old. She was drinking with her mother starting in the eighth grade. She was having daiquiris with her mother. Her little sister was drinking too, apparently even at a younger age, white Russians, which they all thought tasted like ice cream. Is it any wonder she wound up as screwed up as she is? She was taking Adderall like it was candy to get high later on. She wound up in uh, taking lithium, which is a very serious drug, thanks to her conservatorship and so on. The dad constantly telling her she wasn't good enough. He, the love was not unconditional. That even as recently as her big tour out in Vegas, her diet was being monitored. He was always telling her she was fat. She had an abortion at age 19 when she was dating Justin Timberlake, even though she didn't want to. The, it's a it's a horror story. It's a string of horror stories, Will. And I look at this and I say, I hope I hope young girls read it and I hope young parents read it and they take away from this. I don't want anything to do with that industry. I don't want to be a star. I don't need millions. I can find myself worth someplace else. Yeah, you know, outside looking in, you see these celebrities and these types of people, and it always looks so glamorous and beautiful and amazing. It's funny, Britney Spears, when I was a little kid, maybe eight years old, I had this Scooby-Doo lunchbox, and I'd take all my mom's celebrity magazines, and I'd cut out the pictures of Britney Spears and keep them in this lunchbox, <laughs> because I loved Britney Spears. She was my favorite. The That's Toxic adorable. Music video, yeah, it was, it was quite cute, you know, uh, until you see the recent pictures of her, and I wouldn't cut out any of these and put it in my Scooby-Doo lunchbox. But it's like you look at these celebrities and all this outside looking in, and it seems so amazing of what their lives are. But behind the scenes, I mean, I lived in Hollywood, California for six years knowing exactly what is happening in this this type of world and then wanting to get out of it and moving to, to Florida. And the fact that people want to get into this type of lifestyle just shows how broken our culture is. And then you have people who are constantly talking about these kinds of things and talking about the celebrities. Why do we think that we have politicians do the things that they do now? It's because they are celebrities now. They want to be like yes. Britney Spears at the same time. You know, they want to be looked at in the tabloids and have people talk about them and this kind of stuff because people are obsessed with the celebrity music and, and entertainment, this type of, of culture. But it's all vapid and it's leading America down a path of just consumer consumer nonsense that is useless. It's, it's so useless for the betterment of our, of our human race and for America in general. She writes about how she met Justin Timberlake in the Mickey Mouse Club. And um, you know what? Congress is the new Mickey Mouse Club, the springboard yes. to fame that, that's used by so many people who really just want to see their faces on TV. Sadly, we have, you know, congressional Kardashians who are just there to build a platform for themselves. People like AOC, 
I mean, at least Britney Spears actually has talent, and so does Justin Timberlake, although he's getting mocked mercilessly for this. My team tells me we have to look at this old dance video of Justin Timberlake is being mocked. I don't know why. Do we care? Let's see it. Stop 30. I'm just going to say, Evita, it if Doug could dance like that, I would be so happy. I'm not I'm not willing to mock this. <laughs> I think we're being too hard on him. The point is, um, chasing after fame is a vapid, unfulfilling game. It is. Uh, okay, I don't I don't love the the Justin Timberlake video because it made me it sort of was an endearing video, right? That he's kind of awkward at dancing and yet he's a superstar. But I think everybody should I mean, he really came out as the true villain from her memoir. I mean, this story about how he pressured her into getting an abortion was just super harrowing and awful. Uh, And I think that it really was a really a good real world example of what post-abortion trauma looks like. I think that it's 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 real and that that women actually suffer through it. Uh, and the left constantly is telling us that it doesn't happen, that it's that it's all fake. Uh, and the truth is that the only people that actually look out for women like Britney Spears who are put in those situations are pro-life people who have pregnancy centers and who believe them when they say, I have post-abortion trauma. Uh, and I the whole memoir just made me so, so sad for her and made me just think, uh, it makes a hundred percent sense why she is the way she is now because this woman has been through so much trauma throughout her life. It's it's really not that hard to raise good kids. You know, it really isn't. You just have to spend time with them. You have to spend time with them. They do have to feel that they're unconditionally loved. You have to eat dinner with them, ideally seven nights a week, but at least five. Um, and you have to make sure they know you're rooting for them and not for them to be skinny or a star or you're trying to mooch off them. And don't, Pro tip, don't serve them booze when they're in the eighth grade. All right. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. And it's part of just sort of this societal rot. We've only gotten more obsessed with celebrity. Why do you think you see Taylor Swift all over the place just because she's in love with a football player or dating a football? It's our obsession with celebrity. I don't put that on her. I put it on our disgusting media that can't get off uh, of the celebrity obsession and it's eating away at us all. You two are a, a force for good in this world. Thank you both for both for being so sound and smart. Will and Evita, to be continued. Uh, Thank you. Thanks to all of you for joining me today. And we'll be back tomorrow with our friends from the fifth column. See you then. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue. 
panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 